This program is made possible by the members and donors to the show. For details, visit the membership tab at bestoftheleft.com. Now, welcome to the award-winning Best of the Left podcast with clips today from The David Pakman Show, The Young Turks, The Jimmy Dore Show, and Dan Savage. And a quick note to warn that this episode focuses on the Catholic Church and therefore contains profane and sexually explicit discussions. Pope Benedict has announced he's resigning. This is the first papal resignation in about 600 years. He is currently 85 years old. His resignation letter said a few different things, including, after having repeatedly examined my conscience before God, I have come to the certainty that my strengths, due to an advanced age, are no longer suited to an adequate exercise of the Petrine ministry. He uh, Then it was followed up with a very hastily arranged news conference where Vatican spokesman Federico Lombardi said, the Pope did catch us a bit by surprise, and we should have a new Pope for Easter. So I, I have a number of thoughts on this. I understand the advanced age and that some say he has really deteriorated, but it's common that Pope's advance in age and deteriorate, but that they stay until they pass away. Right. So what else may be going on here? I mean, let's let's just look at it at face value. What better time to get out of there than in the midst of countless child pedophilia cover-ups, less people considering themselves uh, practicing Catholics, less weddings done in uh, through the Catholic Church. I mean, the Catholic Church is an institution in significant decline, and uh, maybe he just wants out, and, and what a better, you know, what could be a better time to get out than, than now and just let someone else deal with the, the shrapnel? Pretty convenient, um, considering the organization. It sounds like, if anything, even crazier were to go down or be discovered, uh, he pretty much would, would not be, I don't know, held accountable. And at his age, I mean, what are you really going to do anyway? Yeah, and the other thing is, you know, we've talked on this show so much about not only the cover-ups of of, uh, of child molesters in the Catholic Church, but also the the incredible anti-gay sentiment there. And every every time we have Pope-related news, you turn on the news and you just see the Pope. He's wearing these ornate purple capes and the jeweled hats and red slippers like the ones in Wizard of Oz. And he's telling people it's wrong to be gay. It's just a funny visual. It's just a really, really funny visual. Yeah, there are some funny things about the church, but in general, it's uh, it's a terrible. Te- there are terrible things that are going on. There are a lot of terrible things, and um, I-, I don't know. I just I wish it didn't exist at all. Could we get a liberal pope next? And do we care, or is this an institution that is just going to keep declining and declining? No, there there will not not be uh, the type of pope you're looking for. I mean, once you get, <laughs> but the, yeah, the type of pope <laughs> I'm looking for, <laughs> the, the type of pope you'd hope would, the would, Jewish pope. I mean, come on, they weed people out. When you, when you get to the top of this organization, you have to assume that everyone is pretty much on the same page. Yeah, if you get that high up, you probably are. Yeah. Um, and also a lot of higher-ups in the Catholic Church are gay. We have a, a friend who uh, has first-hand knowledge of a lot of uh, of, of uh, homosexuality in the church that is essentially just covered up, and that's what it is. It does not surprise me at all.
Pope Benedict is resigning. First time that a Pope is resigning since 1415, nearly 600 years. And we are told it is because of health reasons. Not buying it. Uh, I believe it is because of uh, some scandals that the church has gone through. Uh, the, so of course, there's a huge sex scandal uh, that has exploded under Pope Benedict uh, and uh, perhaps might get even larger, and I believe that he wants to leave before that happens. But I'm a bad guy. I'm a cynical guy for stating what other news people are not allowed to state. They have to say, uh, well, you know, he's had some upsides and some downsides, and, oh, ailing health, absolutely, sure. Yeah, I mean, we haven't seen, I mean, the other pope, went on and on and on with his ailing health, but perhaps maybe that's the reason why. But look, I, I'm a skeptical guy. Uh, I don't believe what people in authority tell me as a matter of course. Now, of course, they could be right from time to time, and it, could it be that it's because of his health? It could be, but usually when somebody says, I'm going to spend time with my family, that means they got fired or they want to leave before something explodes on them. So we do not have a new pope yet. We will probably by the end of March. That's when I can joyfully announce Habemus Papam. But right now we have to say Adios Papam, or in Italian Adio Papam, mm -hmm. which I did not know until today. All right. So let us now assess uh, Pope Benedict's uh, upsides and downsides. What? Uh, a little unvarnished as opposed to the rest of the media. So, in the sense that we'll actually keep it real. So, first of all, uh, giant negative, as I just told you, huge sex scandals exposed under Pope Benedict. Now, to be fair, he's not the one that did the sex scandals, and they happen to be exposed under him. They weren't necessarily committed under him. And as a positive, he actually set new guidelines to prevent abuse. Now, as a negative... He never punished the bishops for the cover-ups. Never. Never. And by the way, before he became Pope, since 1982, he ran the office that was in charge of punishing the bishops for cover-ups. Never punished them. Okay. And so that's a giant downside to, obviously, his reign here, that there wasn't uh, significant accountability for the horrible sex scandals that happened. Look, there's one that's brewing now in Los Angeles. We already know about it. Could it get worse? In 2010, it was all over the world. We had uh, uh, thousands of people come out in Europe, Australia, South America, and obviously before that, all over the United States as well. Now, on other issues, uh, in one of his books, he wrote about how, as the Pope, he is exonerating all Jews for killing Jesus Christ. Now, I find that hilarious. But I guess some people wanted to hear the Pope say it. Uh, he said, look, it's not all the Jews, okay? I read the Bible, <laughs> and I read the history of it, and it turns out there's a lot of other factors involved, and you can't blame all the Jews. Well, thanks God for that. So that's a positive, though, and uh, other Popes had not said it, so that's good. Um, on the other hand, he promoted sainthood for Pope Pius XII, who was the Pope during World War II, and a lot of people say didn't do much to help Jews who were getting... Uh, massacred in the Holocaust uh, that happened at that time. So, and by the way, the Pope also refused to remove a priest in uh, Britain who was a Holocaust denier as well. So that didn't sit well with some groups, understandably so. Now, another positive, uh, he actually wrote that the new financial order must be based on ethics, and he criticized the current banking system, and I think he's totally right about that. Uh, downside is that there was a significant money laundering scandal at the Vatican where millions of dollars had to be seized 
And uh, you couldn't even use your credit cards at the Vatican for a while because Italy was so mad that the Vatican was not taking action to stop that money laundering. So, uh, as usual, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Now, speaking of which, uh, he was against distributing condoms in 2009, so that's another negative for him, saying that they had nothing to do with the spread of AIDS or preventing the spread of AIDS, which seems ridiculous, right? Now, the good news, in 2010, he changed his mind, and he was in favor of distributing condoms. That was only to male prostitutes, because that, of course, wasn't going to lead to conception anyway, right? Uh, I'm not sure what happened to Pope uh, papal infallibility between 2009 and 2010. Was he infallible in 2009, or was he infallible in 2010? No one's quite explained that to me yet. Now, of course, another negative for the Pope was that he was a Nazi. That's a bit of a downside. Okay, now, remember, it was the Nazi youth in the beginning, when he was 14 years old, he says that he was conscripted into that and did not have a choice. Then he became a man of the cloth, so he was soon let out of that. But then he was re-put into the Nazi army to do anti-aircraft work, etc. But, to his credit, he left the German army before the war ended. So, now, a lot of people didn't, so you can say that gives uh, more credence to his... Uh, explanation that, look, man, it I wasn't my choice. They made me do it, and as soon as I had a chance, I got out of the German army. So fair enough, and that's, of course, a long time ago. Now, uh, another negative is that he has banned gays from priesthood, which, you know, that's not very surprising given the stance of the Catholic Church, but he actually went, he is the one that made that explicit and saying, no, we're not going to reconsider that issue. It is what it is, and gays are banned. Uh, on the upside, though, he got rid of limbo. Not Rosh Limbaugh, but limbo is in uh, somewhere between heaven and hell. Now, who would be stuck in limbo in the old days? Uh, it would be, for example, kids who had not yet gotten baptized, but passed away before that. That's tragic. And their uh, parents apparently believed that they lived in or stayed in purgatory for the rest of time. He got rid of that, which then leads me to be enormously amused. All right, I'm the bad guy, but Pope, please. Okay, really? There was a purgatory before, and all of a sudden the Pope's like, hey, listen, God, come on, let's have a conversation here. Those are innocent kids. Don't do this. Don't do this. Okay, what did purgatory exist before, and then he got rid of it because he talked to God? Or is he now saying, oh, our bad all the other popes for thousands of years got it totally wrong. It turns out there never was purgatory. Your kids were fine to begin with. I talked to God and we cleared that up. Come, please, come on, who believes this? Really? Infallible, by the way. Infallible. I mean, forget the condom thing and him changing his mind on that. I can give you a hundred examples of that. Really, do you as a sentient human being, you lovely Catholics out there that I... You know, I agree with you on, a, I'm sure, a hundred different things. Although, by the way, one other thing I disagreed with Pope Benedict on was he actually uh, went on a crusade against nuns in this country, who I did agree with, because they were actually trying to alleviate poverty. He said, no, what's more important is our stance against homosexuality and our stance on abortion. Get back in line. Now, look, again, he's a complicated character. I'm keeping it real with you. Look, he, was, he spoke out against wars. And against the banking system. I agree with him on that stuff. But infallible? Infallible. You don't believe that. There's not a single Catholic that actually believes it. They might say they believe it. But they think this dude 
who was in the Nazi army for a while. Again, I'm not blaming him for it. He was 14 when he was first conscripted, etc. But like, he was, he later became infallible? No, you don't believe that. Come on. And there was Limbaugh, now there isn't Limbaugh. You don't believe that either. Come on, this is all fairy tale stuff. Now, you can have faith in something higher than you. And you can, and I might disagree with you on a higher purpose, but you could believe in a higher purpose. There's a lot of things you can have faith in, but not the specifics of this religion. And the guy in the funny suit that goes in the Pope mobile and has the funny hats is actually talks to God and is infallible and changes what you should do in your life? No. Come. Ridiculous. One more time. Pope, please. Okay, so in this week's Oh My God segment, we're going to be talking about the Catholic Church because there's a new report just came out in Ireland about uh, how bad and deep the harboring of the pedophiles were. Because let's, be, let's remember, the problem wasn't necessarily that there were molesters in the church. There's molesters in every church. The problem was that the church from the top down, starting at the tippy top with the Pope, harbored them and obstructed the police's investigation. So what they did was they let these child rapists uh, loose on other people and kept them raping children. And they kept harboring them because they wanted to protect the institution instead of protecting the innocent children. So this, they have a new report that just came out in Ireland, and I'm going to play. Here's the Prime Minister of Ireland, and here's what he has to say about it. For the first time in this country, a report into child sexual abuse exposes an attempt by the Holy See to frustrate an inquiry in a sovereign democratic republic as little as three years ago, not three decades ago. And in doing so, the Klein report excavates the dysfunction, the disconnection, the elitism that dominate the culture of the Vatican today. The rape and the torture of children were downplayed or managed to uphold instead the primacy of the institution, its power, its standing, and its reputation. So that's the Prime Minister of Ireland, and he's saying that this new report they just came out with showed that the church was obstructing police investigation into child rapists. And I like that he called them child torturers. He said child torture. That's what it is. And he said, he said, not three decades ago, three years ago, this was three years ago, this was happening. And he's a little outraged about it. And so Chris Hayes has these Catholics on his show. And he has on a couple of Catholic writers. He has on a priest. He has on a woman. I don't know if she's a nun, but she looks like one. And so they're all talking about and they're And they're upset also with the Catholics handling of the pedophilia. But they remain in the church. They remain inside this church, which I don't understand that, okay? I remain in the Catholic Church because it's the only way I can still get an erection. 
<laughs> so here you'd, you'd think th- something was a foot, you know, with the you know Saint Molester. <laughs> you know? They made that guy a saint. That's a mistake. They, they left clues for us. That's a mistake. You know, I went on the Pope's uh, 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 Facebook page and mm-hmm. he, he poked me. <laughs> so, Literally, that's, that's not right. <laughs> so great. I got poked. That's not right. <laughs> that's gonna hurt. So Chris Hayes asks correctly. Why do you stay in the church? And he asked this one uh, Catholic female writer, and here's what she says. Sure. Well, I went to Yale Divinity School, which is a Protestant seminary with a ton of Catholic students and Catholic... Okay, so first of all, let me just... She says, oh, I went to Yale Divinity School. In case you don't know this, I just want everybody to know, anytime someone insists on mentioning the Ivy League school they attended when they're answering a question, Ooh, yeah. uh, they're an a-hole and they're full of crap, okay? <laughs> and so here, okay, here we go faculty in it and that gave me time gave me years to figure out what it was that i loved about this church and what was distinctive and first of all i think it's funny that she has to while in college it takes her years to figure out what she loves about the church Mm -hmm. you you already love it you just don't know what it is you love about the church (laughs) have you ever loved something like that before in your life that you loved it but you didn't know why you loved it (laughs) i don't even when i nothing even something as confusing as rocky road ice cream i knew i loved it right away (laughs) Okay. Just, you have to love it on faith, Jimmy. <laughs> it take, take years to develop the taste for Rocky Road. So here is after a few years of all the time she needed to figure out what it was. She, this is what she loved about the church. And what hurts me about so many more traditional Catholics who claim to love the church is they have this very reductive view of Catholicism that says, well, it all comes down to how you believe, what you believe about sexual morality. When in fact, the beauty of this tradition is its sacramental theology. And the sacramental theology that is the basis for this unparalleled social justice tradition. Ah. Okay, so... <laughs> She says that she's she's upset at other people who have what she calls a reductive view of uh, religion, which uh, that's a pretty good academic word. She completely misused it. Uh, reductive would be taking the seven sacraments as the sum total of the Catholic religious experience, which is what she just did. Mm. She's trying to pretend that the sacramental, which, I don't know if, you, if you're not Catholic, sacraments are like uh, a, a marriage is a sacrament. Uh, the Eucharist. The body of Christ, right? Yes. So, so when that, yeah, so when you have a piece of bread and they say the, uh, that becomes the body of Christ, that's called the sacrament of the Eucharist. So they have these sex. So Actually, all of- when they have the bread now, they call it the uh, body of carbs. <laughs> <laughs> so what? So what they do now is uh, so what they're saying is uh, because we have a ritual and we added this word sacrament to it to make it sacred. Now it's just a, it's a ritual. She so she's been in the church because she likes the rituals. I used to take the Sacramento freeway to Stockton. <laughs> 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 I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, 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 and, what she, and what she's doing is she she's being overly simplistic and she's being inappropriately myopic, like not recognizing she went to Yale Divinity School. Don't forget that, Jimmy. I'm not. I'm trying not to forget she went to Yale, but she's she's not recognizing that the Catholic Church is as much a secular institution of power as it is a body of spiritual constructs, right? And you she's. Know what, Jimmy, I mm-hmm. just want to say that if she brags about her Ivy League background one more time, she could she could get hired. To write for the Simpsons. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> SNL. Conan O'Brien. You know, I would have respected her more if she would have just said, look, I go for the crackers and wine, and the rest of it seems like BS. <laughs> <laughs> I like the organ music. So that was her real answer. She spent years at Yale trying to figure out what she loved about the Catholic Church. This 
place filled with pedophiles and their harborers, and she stays in this institution. Why? Because of their sacramental theology that it somehow has to be administered by pedophiles. I don't understand this. Why she stays I in there? Go ahead. The Catholic Church uh, provided her with a structure for her self hatred. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I think you're right. So here's an, so here's you a, know what I do find one thing annoying. Uh, just overall, that she has to say that she was hurt by these people. Like she was hurt by people having any kind of opposing viewpoint mm -hmm. about the Catholic Church. She's hurt. Yeah. She got off easy, I think. Absolutely. Relative to other people's experience. She's not outraged about anything. She's just hurt how people are interpreting uh, her doctrine, I guess. Yeah. I, 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 Again, that was the answer to why do you stay in this organization that is not only filled with pedophiles, but, but run at the tippy top by people who harbored them. We all know this now. Right. Uh, the Mahoney here in, in the Los Angeles just had to resign. Uh, he's still a cardinal, by the way. Oh, and he can't wait to vote for the new pope. And he, he's had to resign because they found out he was actively thwarting the police investigation of pedophiles that he harbored. He didn't turn them in. But I don't understand why any of these guys don't have to go to jail. They don't. Yeah, they're criminals. They're criminals. So if you did that in any other organization, you'd be you'd go to jail. But they don't because they they work for the church, which is another reason to not like religion because it gives false piety to people who don't deserve it. They don't go to jail because it's a huge corporation. You know, it's a huge corporation. Yes. And same way, billions of dollars, the same way the oil companies. You know, yeah. yes, it's Wall a Street beat the rap. It. This yes. is another corporation that's uh, beating the rap. Exactly, they have a lot of power. Let's face it, uh, uh, God is too big to fail. God is too big <laughs> to fail. As the uh, Reverend. Uh, Gene Scott used to say here in uh, L.A., a, a great uh, yes. pastor here, he used to uh, he, he would diagram the, the word Ecclesiastes and he would take it down to its root, which w was m money. Oh, really? That, that was his argument. Yeah, Ecclesiastes is the root of that word is uh, in uh, in money. Money. Filthy lucre, yeah. And you know what? I'm tired of people giving them these these titles, Cardinal Roger Mahoney. Why isn't it just Predator? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Capital P. So they have another cap. They have another Catholic writer on, and Chris Hayes asks him the same question: Why do you stay in this church? Because this guy admitted to questioning it. He was an atheist for a while, but he came back to the church. And here's why this guy came back to the church. Ready? What is the Catholic Church good for unless you believe the tomb was empty on Sunday, Jesus Christ is the risen Lord, and you want to get to heaven? Well, actually, I say, what is the Catholic Church good for even if you believe that stuff and want to go to heaven? Why do you need that? There's dozens of other churches. If you believe that he's the risen Lord and all that stuff, why do you need the Catholic Church? Why can't you go to like a Unitarian church where they have a lot more singing and less molesting? <laughs> why? I don't understand why you have to go. It's the same reason I watch the TV show Smash. I need something silly in my life. <laughs> Here, I, I, I am a bogomil, and I will never go back to Catholicism. <laughs> well, he is a bogomil. Let me listen to this guy again. Let's listen to what he has to say. What is the Catholic Church good for unless you believe the tomb was empty on Sunday, Jesus Christ is the risen Lord, and you want to get to heaven? Okay, well, what is it good for? I don't know. There's all the schools, the hospitals, the real estate, the various charities. The Catholic Church could cut out all the God stuff and still be one of the world's largest and most powerful financial, political powers in the world. So, mm -hmm. Just on their T-shirt sales alone. they got a lot of paintings and mosaics. Got a lot the of God them. stuff is only dragging them down. Yeah, I think about it. <laughs> It, it really holding them back. One big thing, they got to get rid of the pigeons. <laughs> the, fact, 
The fact that the resurrection is the main reason he's in the Catholic Church means he's no different from a Star Wars fan. You know, in other words, <laughs> fantasy is what he's into. Yes, yes, very good point, Frank. I don't know, there's no pedophilia in Star Wars, right? Hang on, there's more coming. Let me hear this guy again. Come out. <laughs> what is the Catholic Church good for unless you believe the tomb was empty on Sunday, Jesus Christ is the risen Lord, and you want to get to heaven? Right. Like, that is what drew me back into the church. And really, of all the options to worship Jesus, from the Pentecostals with the snake juggling to the Unitari <laughs> Unitarians, which are basically, they just meet at a Denny's every Sunday to chat. That's basically <laughs> what they are. And you felt drawn to the one church that molests kids and thinks having sex is too magical to, to, to permit condoms <laughs> this is the one of those moments when i'm going to say don't follow your heart buddy that's one of those moments so uh and i love how that woman they none of them try to reconcile the rape thing none of them try to reconcile the the rape that's what he specifically asked them hey how do you reconcile staying in this why do you stay in this organization and try to change it instead of just leaving it and they couldn't answer that question that woman didn't try to answer that question she didn't she didn't you know and, and so what you want you want to believe in those three things? Why do you have to belong to the Catholic Church? That's my you point. want to get to heaven. I want to get to heaven. Where could I go? Oh, there's nothing but pedophiles around. Okay. Everything's mystical to them. Everything has a, a double meaning. For instance, Jesus has risen. Hmm. <laughs> 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 Here at Best of the Left, supporting the good works of others is our entire reason for existence. Since the beginning of 2006, I've been making this show to highlight what I consider to be some of the best of the truly liberal media. Now I'm working on several ways to promote the best progressive activism around. Ruminate for a moment on whether you enjoy this show or consider its goals to be worthwhile, and if you do, please consider supporting this work by becoming a member for as little as $5 a month or even $55 a year at the membership tab at bestoftheleft.com. It's the donations of members that allow the show to continue and continue to improve. Thanks so much for your support. The Pope, let's talk about the Pope, because you know what? This is kind of obvious what I'm about to tell you. I suggested when we found out that the Pope was resigning that it was a little bit weird because Pope hasn't resigned for 600 years, and amidst all of the child abuse and pedophilia and cover-ups that are, that are happening, it would seem logical to me that it is somehow connected. And now we have a bunch of different sources suggesting exactly that. If you take a look at Addicting Info's reporting on this, as well as uh, the CCR's reporting on, on this, you'll see that my estimations, Lewis, may not be that far-fetched with regard to the Pope's resignation. Please continue. Uh, it seemed that with the resignation announced by the Pope that uh, the timing was a little off because we now have learned that there is a meeting scheduled for a few days from now, February 23rd, where Joseph Ratzinger, also known to many as uh, Pope Benedict XVI, is going to meet with the Italian president, Giorgio Napolitano, to basically beg for immunity against prosecution for allegations of child sex crimes and cover-up of those child sex crimes, as reported by the International Tribunal into Crimes of Church and State. You can Google them, and they claim that this is what is taking place. The reason that Pope Benedict XVI may have resigned on February 11th is, you ready for this, Louis? Okay. The Vatican received word one week prior 
that a European government would be issuing an arrest warrant for the Pope's, here it is, crimes against humanity because of the sheltering of pedophile priests. The, the letter was allegedly received on February 4th, exactly one week before the resignation. And now we can't ignore the timing of this. If we believe that the letter is there and, and we believe the reporting that on February 23rd, uh, the Pope will be meeting with the Italian president to ask for immunity, we have to assume the resignation is connected. It just doesn't make sense. No other explanation makes sense. Uh, you know what? I'm going to agree with you. I think that's probably what's happening here, and it's just as we predicted. It's possible that the Pope may not get off that easy. The International Tribunal into Crimes of Church and State is calling upon the Italian president to deny helping uh, Ratzinger, saying, do not collude with criminality, and please don't cave. I don't know what's going to happen. Okay? Isn't the Vatican technically a, a sovereign uh, country well that's that's i started doing research into this and this is where it gets interesting pope benedict's decision to live in the vatican after he resigns may provide him with security as well as privacy and it could offer legal legal protection as well from attempts to prosecute him in connection with these widespread sex abuse cases around the world which he is alleged to have uh, been involved in the cover-up of and church sources and legal experts are saying it is absolutely necessary that he stays in the vatican and if he lived anywhere else, we might have crazies filing lawsuits or a magistrate might arrest him like some other former heads of state have been for alleged acts while they were head of state. I think it is very, very clear what is going on here. Uh, we could believe that this is all irrelevant speculation combined with incorrect allegations of letters and meetings and all that stuff. But it's fitting together too perfectly to believe that there's nothing here, Natan, don't you think? Uh, I'm not going to make the claim that he resigned because of these issues, but I will say that these issues aren't going to be resolved, uh, pr most likely, with the next pope. So we can still criticize the Vatican and the church hierarchy for that. As for the specific reasons why this pope resigned, I don't really know. Okay. I mean, when you're the pope, you are expected to leave the Vatican. When you resign, you are no longer expected to leave the Vatican. And I think clearly he wants to stay in the Vatican for these reasons. And uh, as usual, you know, when I look at the church, all I see is fraud, extortion, and pedophilia. That's pretty much it. And doesn't the tree write great poetry? Doing it so well. Do you blame Monet? Gardens in Giverney, he captured. Well, uh, Cardinal Cardinal Ivan Diaz uh, doesn't like gay people. In fact, in the past. He has referred to uh, homosexuality as an unnatural tendency and also a disease of the soul. Hmm. Now, that's a little ironic because uh, the apartment complex he lives in in Rome uh, basically has uh, Europe's largest gay sauna. Awesome. Win. In fact, his unit uh, is located directly above the gay sauna. So he's the top. He's at the top. And they would be at the bottom. Yeah, the gay sauna is at the bottom. Okay, I got yeah. you. Interesting. There's a Turkish bath there, which now has become associated with gay subculture in some ways, which is interesting and probably disconcerting to some Turks. Uh, yes. But Actually, the sauna, uh, 
Sounds awesome. I mean, I know I know that it's not for me, um, but it still sounds great. Uh, so it's he's living just one floor above the Europa Multi Club Sauna and Gym, which contains a king Turkish bath, Finnish sauna, giant whirlpool, uh, waterfall whirlpool, and other attractions for its gay patrons. Now, there's a lot of waterfalls there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so so this guy's in the conclave now, black smoke, white smoke, etc. Mm -hmm. And uh, disease in the sun. Come on, it's a quick... You didn't notice the world's largest, like, or Europe's largest gay sauna right underneath you? Oh, hell no. I don't believe that for a second. That's exactly why he lives there. But it gets better. Yes. And uh, uh, what else has the Vatican done there in that same complex? So there's a, a, a different cardinal by the name of Tarsicio Bertoni. Uh, and back in 2008, he actually purchased 20 apartments in that building. Oh, come so on. So <laughs> religious on. leaders can basically, you know, stay there and maybe, you know, take advantage of the very unique amenities there. Oh, there's a lot of waterfalls, a lot of attractions. <laughs> You tell me it's a coincidence that the, they bought 20 apartment buildings above the largest gay sauna in Europe. Every that ain't a coincidence. That's, and these guys who dress in flamboyant outfits, mm -hmm. right, and who've never been with women their whole lives and who live right on top of a gay sauna, but they're not, but being gay is wrong, it's a disease of the soul. I got you, big guy. This is actually uh, what inspired TLC's Don't Go Chasing Waterfalls. They went, they sang it in front of the church, and they're like, Don't go chasing waterfalls. And Cardinal Ivan Diaz was like, Not buying it. I'm on the top, they're on the bottom. I have used this headline a million times on Slog, uh, The Stranger's Blog, where I blog every day. Uh, whenever I write about the current Pope Emeritus, the ex-Pope, the most recent Pope, the first Pope to retire in six or seven hundred years of Catholic history, um, whenever I write about him, I affectionately use this in the, the headline on my blog. That motherfucking power-hungry self-aggrandized bigot in the stupid fucking hat joins Twitter. That was one of the headlines that I used. Um, and then when the Pope announced he was retiring, I, of course, headlined that post. That motherfucking power-hungry self-aggrandized bigot in the stupid fucking hat retires. And the good folks at Newsbusters and then Bill Donahue at the Catholic League exploded right on cue. You know what? If you just want to see Bill Donahue at the Catholic League dance... Just give him a call and say, that motherfucking power hunger self is big in the stupid fucking hat. Watch him explode. Watch him do his little bigot dance, because he will. Um, they kind of blew up at me, because oh, I'm an anti-Catholic bigot, and look at what I said, look at what I said. And of course, every time they do this, and it happens every time I headline a post that way, I have to go on Twitter, and I have to go on my blog, and I have to point out, I have to give credit, again, to the genius that is Tim Minchin, who actually wrote that line. It's a lyric from his song, the Pope song. And if you haven't heard the Pope song, you really need to 
stop listening to the podcast right now for just a minute and go to YouTube and look up just Pope Song. You just go to Google and put in Pope Song and up pops Tim Mentions Pope Song and it is genius. And in it, he calls the Pope that motherfucking power-hungry self-accrandized bigot in the stupid fucking hat. And it's really fucking funny. And he's, you know, it's a song that comes from a place of real anger about the Pope covering up for child rapists. When you cover up for people who are raping children, when you enable child rape, when you are basically an unindicted co-conspirator to mass child rape, people get mad at you. And they will call you things like that motherfucking power-hungry self-accrandized bigot in the stupid fucking hat. Right? Uh, anyway, I was thinking about the Catholics this week because I'm in trouble with the Catholics and Bill Donahue put out a press release called Dan Savage, Savage's Pope. Did you catch that? Savage, Savage's. That was really clever. I've never heard that before. Um, in his press release, he delivers to me, he serves me the, the worst insult that a Catholic bigot can possibly throw at another man. He calls me a name that to a Catholic man like Bill Donahue is... The worst thing you can call another Catholic man. He calls me a woman. Donahue complains that I was invited to a White House reception for homosexuals. And I said in my post about it that I arrived with my husband. Would that make Dan Savage the guy's wife? Because he can't be a husband without a wife or a wife without a husband in Bill Donahue's fevered imaginations. But, oh, he said I had a vagina. Is there a worst insult in Bill Donahue's? mind no anyway i was thinking about the catholics of course because the pope retired that self-aggrandized motherfucker retired which hasn't happened in a long time and right now there is no pope right now we are popeless they're meeting in the sistine chapel the cardinals the princes of the church they're all meeting save one cardinal keith o'brien the highest ranking catholic official in the united kingdom it ain't there. Now, I don't know if you guys have heard of Cardinal Keith O'Brien. He's sort of not very nice uh, to gay people. He has described us as captives of sexual aberrations. He has said that same-sex relationships are harmful to the medical, emotional, and spiritual well-being of those involved. No compassionate society would ever enact legislation to facilitate or promote such relationships. Blah, blah, blah. He's gone on and on and on. He's a big fucking Catholic gay basher. Another self-aggrandized stupid fucking bigot in a stupid fucking hat. And uh, a couple of years ago, Stonewall, which is the big uh, gay rights org in the United Kingdom, awarded him with their Bigot of the Year prize. And there was some hubbub about whether that was rude, whether the gays were being rude to the nice cardinal who said that we are captives of sexual aberrations and that society should do nothing that might facilitate our relationships, like, say, perhaps refrain from burning us at the stake, which they used to do. Anyway, regular listeners, you know where this is going. Cardinal Keith O'Brien is not in Rome helping pick the next stupid fucking self-aggrandized bigot in the stupid fucking hat because four people came forward to accuse him of sexual improprieties. Four men. Four adult men. And he was out so fast in part because these just weren't the usual pickings. Uh, these people that Cardinal Keith O'Brien is alleged to have exploited sexually, alleged to have had improper relationships with. They were other priests that he had preyed upon when they were seminarians and they were deacons and they were young priests, allegedly. And so Cardinal Keith O'Brien is out, out, out. Uh, he had to retire, resign. He's not allowed to help pick the next pope because unlike Cardinal Mahoney, 
from Los Angeles, who evidence has come out, documents released in the last month, was covering up for and moving around priests who were raping little boys and little girls and making it possible for them to rape and rape and rape again and shielding them from law enforcement, intentionally advising them to stay out of California so they would not be arrested, moving those motherfuckers around. That motherfucker, Cardinal Mahoney, is in Rome picking the next pope. Because what he did is fine, because that's child rape, and child rape is cool. Cardinal O'Brien preyed on priests, preyed on adult men, exploited his power and his authority and preyed upon them. And apparently... That's not okay. So Cardinal O'Brien, you know, he violated the cardinal rule, I guess, of sexual exploitative relationships in the Catholic Church and uh, fucked priests. Not okay. You're going to get bounced. Fuck a little boy, you'll get moved around and we'll make it possible if you fuck another one. Rape another one. That's okay. Anyway, if Bill Donahue is listening and pretty much any time I say that motherfucking power-hungry, self-aggrandized bigot in the stupid fucking hat, Bill Donahue appears before me, uh, so I assume he's listening, because I've said it like 14 or 15 times at this point. If Bill Donahue's listening, I wanted to draw his attention to another headline that I've written that he might want to shit out a press release about and maybe call me a woman for writing. There was a story in the Washington Post about the fallout from Cardinal Keith O'Brien's resignation. He had also decried a tyranny of tolerance, called gay marriage grotesque and said no secular government had the moral authority to legalize such unions. Of course this guy's a faggot, right? Of course any dude who spends this much time beating up, condemning, attacking, worrying about some other dude marrying some other dude, we've seen this script a million times. The high-profile bigot, guess what? The high-profile anti-gay bigot is a gay fucking closeted mess. Anyway, the Washington Post had a story about O'Brien, and it wrote that it was contributing to the crisis of Catholicism in Europe, thousands of Europeans abandoning the faith. The nature of the allegations against O'Brien has already led others to call them, if proved true, an example of the kind of hypocrisy that is eroding the church's influence, particularly on the globe's most socially liberal continent, Europe. Fresh scandal now, observers say, could undermine the church's current battle to restore its voice in the region, which it has waged by rallying against a bevy of liberal causes from legalized abortion in Ireland to gay marriage in France. So Bill Donahue, if you're listening, and I'm sure that you are at this point, I wanted to make sure you didn't miss this headline on Slog. In linking to the Washington Post story, I wrote what I thought should have been the headline of their story. You know, Europeans are leaving the church because, oh, look at the hypocrisy. Europeans don't care for being ordered around by cock-sucking hypocrites. Should have been the headline. Oh, poor Cardinal O'Brien. Someone needed to be the church's voice in the region, and he quite selflessly pulled the cock out of his mouth long enough to condemn gay marriage, and then, bam, he's exposed as another closeted Catholic hypocrite. Sucks to be him, don't it? Doesn't suck so much to be Cardinal Mahoney, who is in Rome right now, despite having enabled, conspired, go to the L.A. Times, read the documents, conspired, to cover up for and protect child rapists. That motherfucker's in Rome. That motherfucker is helping to pick the next motherfucking power-hungry, self-aggrandized bigot in the stupid fucking hat. Just had to Catholic out there for a second, because the Catholics have been coming for me this week on Twitter and in my email inbox, because Donahue put my email on his press release and encouraged his followers to tell me that I'm a cocksucker who's going to hell. Which I knew, and you knew, because you're a listener to my cocksucking show. 
One Catholic pro-life mom and blogger on Twitter noticed my headline about the Cardinal calling him a hypocrite and a cocksucker. Suzanne Fortin, who is at Rose Blue on Twitter, jumped down my throat and accused me of being an intolerant hater for insulting the Cardinal. And I pointed out that a hypocrite is just a fact, and where I come from, cocksucker is not an insult. It actually recommends the guy where I come from. Suzanne and I kind of got in on Twitter for a while, and she claimed that Catholics are oppressed and gay people are not, and I pointed out that her marriage is legally recognized in all 50 states and mine is not. And she wrote, your marriage is based on sodomy, mine isn't two totally different sexual acts, which I thought was kind of bigoted. My marriage isn't sodomy-based, it's sodomy-enhanced. I feel sorry, really, for anyone whose marriage isn't sodomy-enhanced. While it was nice to come to the attention of an obscure Catholic blogger on Twitter, I really want, what I really would like, is a, a another press release from my good friend Bill Donahue slapping me around for Europeans don't care for being ordered around by cock-sucking hypocrites. You're a fucking motherfucker. You see, I don't give a fuck what any other motherfucker believes about Jesus and his motherfucking mother. I've no problem with the spiritual beliefs of all these fuckers, while those beliefs don't impact on the happiness of others. But if you build your church on planes of fucking moral authority, and with threats of hell imposed on others in society, then you, you motherfuckers, can expect some fucking wrath. When it turns out you've been fucking us in our motherfucking asses, so fuck a motherfucker and fuck you, motherfucker, if you're still a motherfucking single motherfucker who's a kitty fucker fuck the motherfucker he's as evil as the rapist and if you look into your motherfucking heart and tell me true if this motherfucking stupid fucking song offended you with its filthy fucking language and its fucking disrespect if it made you feel angry go ahead and write a letter but if you find me more offensive than the fucking possibility the pope protected priests when they were getting fucking fiddly then listen to me motherfucker this here is a fact you are just as morally misguided as that motherfucking power hungry self-aggrandized bigot in the if you're like me, uh, you are watching the Pope uh, leave the the Pope place, uh, <laughs> the Popedom, the Popeitude, the Popedom, the Pope Cave, <laughs> yes, <coughs> and uh, the Octopope Cage, and uh, the Popedagon. <laughs> so I just want to make fun of the way that people. First of all, I think it's all crazy. I think it's all just watching Hocus Pope. Can you? The, I must have saw a million people bow down and kiss one guy's hand today. Everywhere he went, people stopping him and kissing mm -hmm. his hand and kissing his hand and kneeling in I front of him. I saw that today too, but that was in the West Village. <laughs> <laughs> Those weren't hands. They weren't kissing a hand either. But. <laughs> So here, so here's. Let's just listen to. Uh, here's some of the dumber comments that I heard. Uh, on, I was watch, watching it on NBC today, and here's what they were saying. 
how every single minute of your life as Pope is played out on the... Now, you can hear that they have the bells ringing in the background. That's what that is. So the, uh-huh. they're ringing the crap out of the bells. Okay. So they can't hear their own thoughts. So they're... they're, they're all, yes, maybe that's it, Jim. So they're all trying to talk about the Pope and how hard he has it, how hard of a job mm-hmm. Pope is. Mm-hmm. Poping, being Pope. No Pope, pants. Yeah, Pope ain't easy. And so, but it's necessary. I know. He doesn't have any pants, which is it's the hard, one, it's, it's hard for a Pope out there. <laughs> yes, but, Open ain't easy, so here we go. So here's what every single minute of your life as Pope is played out on the world stage. You have the burden of all the sins of 1.2 billion Catholics around the world, and what a heavy burden that is. And yeah, you know how heavy imaginary things are? <laughs> I can't believe how heavy something that doesn't exist could be. I like that his his life is played out on the world stage. I, like I haven't seen this guy in months. <laughs> I know worse. Like, like you, ne- you know, every once in a while, you can't even go up. to the beach. You know, <laughs> you know. Oh, sure, being a pope is is a hard job. But you know, the, the harder job is being having to be the guy that walks behind him all the time with the jizz mop. <laughs> <laughs> wow! Can we say jizz mop? I think so. <laughs> I think we can. That's a bad job. I would not take that job, even in a bad economy. <laughs> I just... That's not dirty because it's holy jizz. <laughs> okay. Holy jizz. Holy jizz, Batman. So I just thought that was it's funny. The body of Christ. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, uh, so here we go. So now they start to talk about the... Uh, first of all, I just thought that this is so crazy to me. All oh, the burden of them, all the sins of all the... What is... What is wrong with you people? This is a news person. This isn't my aunt, right? <laughs> it's, a, it's a news person. She's buying this crap. There are actual job requirements to be your aunt, I think. Yeah, yeah, there actually are, yes. So here they're talking about uh, since the last time we had a new pope, and uh, they start to reminisce about it, and here we go. I've seen a change in the attitudes of cardinals to the problems in the church. When we were here... So she says that she sees a change in the attitudes of the cardinals, mm. right? Uh, so uh, I think she's speaking to the sexual scandal about that. That's the change. So here's what she says about the last time they were in Rome picking a pope. In 2005, for the um, death of John Paul II, it was after we had been through three years of horrible revelations in the U.S. about clergy sex abuse, and there was still great defensiveness here in the Vatican on that issue. For a long time, they thought it was just an American problem that was fueled by the American media. You've seen a great... When she says that for a long time, they thought it was just an American problem fueled by the American media, they didn't think that. They just said that. They just oh. said they thought that. <laughs> they knew she that. She bought it. She and you she totally bought it. Yes, that's a real set. Hard-nosed news reporter. <laughs> oh well, the Cardinals are all surprised by this. How do you know? They said so. That's some great. So here, she got a little bit more to say. Change in attitude, I think, um, from 2005 to 2013. They know there are problems in the church. They know they must be addressed, and you can't just blame it on the media anymore. There haven't been shifts in the church's thinking over the course of 200 years, (laughs) let alone 13. Let's put it this way. 
98 the point of the church is for there to never be any shifts in opinion. Yes, the 98% of American women have of uh, Catholic women have used birth control and the church still says it's wrong. So what does that tell you? They're not changing. It tells me those women are stupid for being Catholics. <laughs> I don't know. At that point the Catholic church isn't the stupid one, it's those women who are like I'm going to keep going to this place that and takes 10% of, of my money. The Catholic Church is like, uh, yeah, um, uh, using birth control is is definitely wrong. Uh, molesting kids, well, that's a gray area. <laughs> <laughs> we can go either way. Okay, so now they're talking about, so they all have to pick a new pope. The cardinals, all these cardinals get together. Wait, don't you mean Silo uh, uh, and uh, and uh, Christina Aguilera and the, those rotating chairs? Don't they? Aren't they the ones who pick the pope? <laughs> this is different. This is different. No, I don't know. I think you're. I remember, can we check that? Peter Piper picked a peck of picker popes. Okay, I like that alliteration. So the bishops are worried about uh, filling the the pope's vacant seat. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, priests have been filling seats. <laughs> Polishing their bishops for the shit. I'm not saying anything more. What? That's it. That's the end of that joke. You fill it in. You do the work. I'm not your servant. How do you expect people to get it? So so here's the uh, so here's what they say about the. They need guidance. They need guidance to help pick a pope. And here's what this guy says. So yeah, it is a it's a big decision, and they're talking about it and thinking about it and praying about it. And Catholics all over the world are also praying that the Holy Spirit really does does give the cardinals the guidance they need. You know, uh, so if the, all the Catholics around the world didn't pray to the Holy Spirit, he wouldn't give the cardinals the guidance they need. Because does this guy ever have any initiative? <laughs> this this we <laughs> always, egomaniac. Yeah, what's with this this Holy Spirit? He's just a slacker waiting he, around for people to tell him what to do. He is just he, goes him. Is he a dumb spirit? Does doesn't he not know what he's supposed to? This is your job. You're supposed to come guide the cardinals and how to pick a pope. I, so this this whole thing is funny. It's the, again more voodoo, hocus pocus. Listen, the last time they didn't pray for guidance, uh, they picked a Jew. So, <laughs> whoops. They picked, whoops. I thought I think they picked Arthur Fonzarelli, and uh, that's when they really jumped the shark. <laughs> <laughs> so somebody. Asked, so I just thought I found that funny. They have to pray. To the Holy Spirit. Yeah, but you, but, so the but that's the idea. You get a pray that you're supposed to pray about everything. You're supposed to pray it when you go to Goodwill to get the demon out of your turtleneck. Right. <laughs> everything, like, <laughs> I, you should ask any of those cardinals, like, what's a situation where you shouldn't pray? <laughs> yes. In well, my house, you pray after you eat. Whoa! <laughs> Hello! My wife's cooking. <laughs> Let's just be clear Actually, it's people like what, Pat Robertson who uh, Catholics look good. <laughs> What the Holy Spirit hears when when it's in a room with any of these priests is, is them telling the Holy Spirit, if you ever tell anyone about this. <laughs> <laughs> so that somebody wondered what the Pope is going to be doing now that he's a private well, Pope. Pope Emeritus do, do you suppose, Father? Do you believe that this is today is the last we will see of him or hear from him? I, I suppose that I, I'm suspecting he'll be harboring pedophiles in the private sector. <laughs> you know, if they're going to have this much coverage for this kind of uh, fan, why don't they just uh, cover Dungeons and Dragons games? <laughs> I feel the same way as you do. As much reality, there's just as much reality involved in what they're talking about. Oh, oh, well, what about the people who play Dungeons and Dragons? They have all the sins of a million Dungeons and Dragons people hanging <laughs> on their shoulders. <laughs> right? So here. Uh, they do. 
And the Holy Spirit couldn't get it past a Comic-Con this year. It <laughs> <laughs> would be great if a conclave was largely done through uh, 12-sided dice. And though he's been on the public stage, he has been a pope who has not wanted to draw a lot of attention to himself. No! Because he's doing a lousy job. No, that's why he's pope. You become pope because you want to remain anonymous. And that's why he wears red shoes, too. Because he doesn't want people to notice him. He's one of those low-profile popes. He is. He, he drives around. <laughs> yeah, yes. Just so everybody knows that... That once he leaves being popey, he will no longer wear red shoes. He's going with a brown leather. Yes, okay. he's from Mexico. Did you know that? A loafer. I think it's a loafer. I, I thought he has to wear sandals and socks if he's retired. <laughs> he's, he is. He's, he's, he's literally is switching it up. I love that. He is switching it up. He's not going to wear red shoes. He's going to wear the brown leather. This has been reported already. Yes. He's working on a screenplay. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to look forward to that. This curb strip. Um, that now that he's not pope anymore, he's going to broaden his interests and try to protect pedophiles from other religions. Yeah. <laughs> so I just like that he's very shy. So so then the reporters try to talk about how understated. It, well, you'll hear it. Here we go. So, although the Catholic Church is one that does pomp and circumstance extraordinarily well, well we are seeing something very simple here. The helicopter lands. <laughs> the 9,000 people greet him. <laughs> that is 44 hectare garden estate. Surrounded by miles and miles of gardens. <laughs> The team of virgins will jump into the volcano. Boy, I was, af I was, af I was afraid you guys wouldn't uh, spot the comedy in what you were saying. <laughs> you guys got it immediately. That's you know what, though? It is low profile, because if he, if he wanted to make a big deal out of it, it wouldn't be like a hovercraft or yeah. a, a jetpack. No, he's just that's doing like, it. That's a lot more flashy. It did, it did go better this time. Last time, the helicopter fell on Vic Morrow. <laughs> <laughs> Too soon? Uh, <laughs> All right, let's listen. She had a little bit more to say. Let's play it from the start. I'll say what she has to say. So, although the Catholic Church is one that does pomp and circumstance extraordinarily well, we are seeing something very simple here. The helicopter lands. You see the car that is pulling up. That's uh, three mer three black Mercedes are pulling up to pick him up. Only yeah. three? Yeah. Uh -huh. Hang on. But there will only be a small group of people who are planning to meet him at the helipad at Castel Gondolfo. <laughs> I, so, look, I want you to hear the end of that again. There's only a small group of people meeting him. Where are they meeting him? To meet him at the helipad at Castel Gondolfo. At, so, at a castle. They're going, this is the understated ceremony. Mm -hmm. He's taking a private helicopter to the helipad and the 4,400 acre estate that is also a castle. And then when he gets up, so there's more to this. Hang on, there's more. There's, there's, Casino Royale. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. Here we go. And going through these formal ceremonies, but not in any way opulent. <laughs> not not no, in any way opulent. Not no, he's, he's at, they're at a helipad, at a castle. They've got three Mercedes full of people out kneeling now, kissing his hand. They're kissing his hand. Everybody's standing in line waiting to kneel in front of this guy and kiss his hand. But in no way is any of this opulent. Hey, 
Hey, Jay, this is Ryan in Indiana. Uh, I love the show. I wanted to comment about Dan from Cleveland's comments about white privilege. Hey, Jay, this is Dan from Cleveland. I really think that a big part of the problem is that there's not enough of us white guys willing to admit that we have privilege and that, you know, we've benefited from being white guys. And I just wanted to agree with him. You know, I, I make it a point, actually, at my workplace to point out the things that I benefit from simply from being white. Uh, I work in uh, healthcare. In my office, I work with predominantly with women. Um, and in my office, I am the go-to person when we need to convince uh, a patient to do something they don't want to do or when we have a... Uh, and bad news to give. I'm the go-to person because we all know, we work with in geriatrics, that uh, for the most part, um, they're going to respond better to me simply because I'm male. And there are people who will attribute, you know, my ability to speak or, you know, my, my demeanor. Um, and I try to very quickly stop that kind of thinking and say, no, listen, the reason is I've got a beard, I've got a white coat, and I'm a male. And it's unfair, but that's, that's the truth of it. And I want you to know that that's the truth of it. So maybe you can raise your sons and daughters a little bit differently than our forebears raised theirs. Well, thanks very much. I just wanted to add to that. Uh, keep up the good work and uh, love the show. Hey, Dave, this is Daniel from Los Angeles. I'm uh, calling in response to the racism episode. And um, some of the subjects that were brought up about white racism or racism against white people, and if it's at the same thing, it should be brought up on the same level. And, you know, I'm a Hispanic, um, and I live in L.A., and I think it is kind of important because growing up, you know, to me, white people were, like, in the context that I grew up in, in uh, as a Mexican, they were basically a bunch of uh, land-grabbing slave owners that stole Texas and bought California during the Mexican Civil War. You know, so, you know, you kind of grow up being a little bitter about that, but when, you know, I had a change of heart was when I read The Grapes of Wrath and read about the Okies, and basically their experience was identical to the experience of uh, the Mexicans and Cesar Chavez maybe 30 years later. And to hear the white caller that you had um, talking about how his family was basically indentured servants themselves. Hi, Jay. Scott in Philadelphia. I am the descendant of Scottish coal miners who have always been either uh, indentured servants or peasants. Um, my father was the first truly free person anywhere in my ancestry. My grandfather worked in the coal mines in West Virginia until he died as a basically a bonded servant. So I can say legitimately that my first generation of all of my ancestors to be free was my father and his sister who were the first ancestors I ever had that got to go to high school. And indebted to the company's story is an important story and it can bring solidarity where you know, divisions do happen, so I appreciate that perspective. And I just think that whether or not they're equal or not, or whether they're the same or not, both are stories that need to be heard, and I think it's better that we find solidarity than whose story is somewhat different than others. Well, anyway, that's just my opinion. Um, great uh, work with Best of Lefty.
Hi, Jay. This is Rachel from Boston. I'm just really pissed off because I had a conversation with a friend, and I realized that the Second Amendment was written back in 1776 when our country was founded, and that was written in a time when the technology of guns were that the gun took, what, three minutes to reload? I don't actually know. I didn't own a musket, but... It took three minutes to reload that gun, and the crackpot who shot all those kids in Connecticut took, what was it, two minutes and 15 seconds to shoot how many kids? 26 kids in two minutes and 15 seconds? So the technology, as you say so many times, hasn't caught up with the Second Amendment, and we're shooting people with drones in less than five seconds from another country and it just pisses me off and I, I wish that somebody could say that on the floor of the house or anywhere really I wish that Obama had the cojones to say that I wish that somebody other than you was saying it and I'm pissed thank you hey Jay this is Hamish out in uh, California. I just heard Colin's comment. Hey, Jay, it's Colin from Cleveland on the uh, the most recent show there where he's talking about how Americans could have their own views that they consider themselves superior to other countries, people, and then uh, the other countries have a reverse view. Putting that kind of pride in your nationality actually just continuates the problem. By saying that an American life means more to me, you're justifying every other country that doesn't like us to put their rights and their lives above ours. And uh, that just leads to everybody always thinking that it's better for them to get ahead because uh, they're worth more than somebody else. I really thought that he made a great point linking his thoughts to uh, pride in America. People don't really step outside themselves and look at themselves as a global citizen. They just think about their country. And don't get me wrong, Jay, I'm a proud American. But it can't be blind, ignorant pride. You have to think of us as a global population if we want this world to continue. I think it's really important to talk about pride in America as, uh, as more than just pride in being born here, having citizenship here, celebrating the fact that there are these borders on a map or something like that. And we should really be talking about what it is that America has done to be proud of. As usual with most things, when we generalize and we say somebody is the good person or bad person, the evil person or a terrorist or whatever, we're really talking about what they've done. People get called criminals when they are a person who has committed a criminal act. At any rate, you know, America is a country. And America has done great things to be proud of like freeing the slaves, and it has done horrible things too, like institutional slavery for hundreds of years. So we've got to separate the two, I think, and talk about what it is in America that we're very proud of. 
Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks to all those who called into the voicemail line. If you would like to leave a comment, question, or activist call to action yourself to be played on the show, the number to dial is 202-999-3991. So I just have a few sort of rapid-fire comments to make today. Uh, First of all, I want to mention that the last message uh, played today was cut short before it actually ended. So if it sounded like it got cut short, it did, and that's why. Secondly, there was another call where there was just too much wind noise. I couldn't play it on the show, but uh, the person who called in was advocating the idea that basically it is potentially moral to value the lives of your own countrymen and women above the lives of those in foreign countries. So if anyone wants to call in, make that point, uh, then feel free. I'd be happy to receive it. And then finally today, uh, listener Allison wrote in uh, by email in response to something I had said. I had been commenting favorably to another listener's comments about how drone strikes sort of dehumanize war. It, it, it takes out the human cost of war. But it separates uh, humans from the actual war on the ground so that you know we don't have any danger of uh, of a person being killed while uh, conducting a drone strike and so it lowers our risk thereby increasing our chances that we would continue doing it and so Allison you know she she liked the comments that were being made but wanted to point out and sort of emphasize it's maybe an obvious point but worth emphasizing that it doesn't dehumanize the war altogether and it doesn't take out the human cost of war. It takes out the human cost of war to Americans and Westerners. It obviously does not take out the human cost of war to those who were bombing. So I I think that the way I'd phrased it was that it takes out the human cost of war as a very good thing to correct and to emphasize that, of course, that doesn't actually work both ways. So that's it for today. Thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks especially to those who support the show, either by becoming a member or making one-time donations to the program. That is absolutely how the show survives. Stay tuned in between episodes by joining up with us on Facebook and Twitter. And for details on the show itself, including links to all the sources and music used in this and every episode, all that information is always posted in the show notes on the blog. So coming to you from inside the Beltway, yet outside the conventional wisdom of Washington, D.C., my name is Jay, and this has been the Best of the Left podcast, coming to you every third day. Thanks entirely to the members and donors to the show from bestoftheleft.com